0: Yet you can't.
1: And I was saw him in the hospital and people told me about him. Didn't have the best reputation in the world. But he got a miracle. Did he deserve it? I don't do any of this. But he got all that. So, I think they let him out on a Sunday afternoon and we had church that Sunday night and he came to church Sunday night talking about how he had been and what God had done and his new days ahead. How he looked forward to coming to church and being active and paying God back. Guess how many times he came after him standing up on that sunny night? Zero. Never came back. He saw a miracle. And, oh, he got home. it. How can we see or experience things like that and not get it? And it's not a new problem. Let's pray together. Father, we are thankful for your word. Teach us through it. We thank you for what we see with our eyes, but you help us to have faith always, regardless of circumstance. Help us to know you are there. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. In the book of John, chapter two. Uh, it begins with the first miracle that we ever think that Jesus did, uh, verses 1 to 10, John 2. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there, and Jesus, his disciples, had also been invited to the wedding, and when the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Lord, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has. So his mother said to the servants do whatever he tells you now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification each holding 20 or 30 gallons and Jesus said to them fill the jars with water and they filled them up to the brim and he said to them now draw some out and take it to the chief steward they took it when the steward tasted the water that had become wine, and did not know where it came from though the servants who had drawn the water knew The steward called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first and then the inferior wine after the guests have had their drink. But you have kept the good wine until now. Now we've talked about that before and I'm not going to get into the parts of it, but just think about if you were there. If you saw this miracle and it didn't affect you spiritually, it can affect you other ways. What would you do? Well, some of us might go fetch a bunch of water and see if Jesus could do it again. I mean, you could get rich getting water for nothing and selling wine, so an entrepreneur there would think, that's a good one. I need to get him to do that for me. Maybe you like wine. If that's the case, you're not an entrepreneur and you just want to follow Jesus around and hoping it's happy hour wherever he goes when he gets your water. Maybe you would do that maybe you own a restaurant and you would hope that jesus would come to work for you i mean that would help your margin wouldn't it
2: maybe you have a daughter getting married and you want to make sure that he's on
1: the guest list so he can do it again we live in a superficial world and that's what some people probably would do today probably they tried it then we don't know let me show you how superficial and shallow That world was, and we think ours is bad. Continuing in John 2, I begin at verse 13. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found people selling cattle, sheep, doves, and
2: the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove
1: all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle, He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. It was Passover, what John is talking about here. Passover, as you know, commemorates the deliverance of the Jews from slavery in Egypt. When the angel of death passed over the houses where doorposts were sprinkled with the lamb's blood. Let me read it to you in Exodus 12, beginning in verse 21. Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go select lambs for your family and slaughter the Passover lamb.
2: Take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood and that's in the basin. Touch
1: the lintel of the two doorposts with the blood in the basin. None of you shall go outside the door of your house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike down the Egyptians. when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over that door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your house to strike you down. You'll observe this right as a perpetual ordinance for you and your children. When you come to the land that the Lord will give you as he promised, you shall keep this observance. And when your children ask you, what do you mean by this observance? You'll say, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord. For he passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt when he struck down the Egyptians, but spared our houses. And the people bowed down and worshipped. And to this day they still celebrate Passover. But in John chapter two, roughly fourteen hundred years give or take after the actual Passover, it had become well. It wasn't very meaningful to a lot of people. As we read, the temple had become a mall, if you will, and. People were taking advantage of others. Uh, what our society has done with Christmas and Easter is much the same as what had happened then to
2: Passover.
1: People traveled from all over Israel and the Roman Empire to get to Jerusalem, and probably, they're guessing, a couple of billion people would been in the temple area for this event. And because you traveled, many traveled a long distance, they might not bring an animal with them and so they would buy one but if you brought one with you what would very often happen uh, because the priests were in on the action too very often if you brought an animal to sacrifice the priest would look at it and say no that was blemished we can sell you a good one they would take your blemished animal and sell you one and then your blemished animal animal was all of a sudden healed and then sell it to the next person and then that way
2: it set Jesus off as you know he cleaned house
1: that's been a long introduction to the three verses that I really want to look at remember we began with a miracle and then we look at people who took advantage of others in the name of religion and now we get to John chapter 2 verses 23 24 when he was in Jerusalem during the Passover Passover many believed in his name because they saw the signs that he was doing but jesus on his part would not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to testify about anyone for he knew himself what was in everyone let me read it in the new living translation makes it a little easier Because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust in him, but Jesus didn't trust them
2: because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell about human nature, for he knew what was in each
1: person's heart. What the problem is here, what's fascinating to me here is that we see people that are having a little bit of faith or a beginning point of faith because they saw something. They saw a miracle. Let's call it sign of faith. They saw a sign and so they thought there might be something to that. We see it in John chapter six, verse two, right before Jesus feeds the five thousand. Look at John six two. A large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. Not really his message was getting to them, but They saw some signs of people being touched, of people being healed, they thought. After the people were fed in John 6, look at verse 26.
2: Very truly, I tell you, you're looking for me not because you saw signs, but
1: because you ate your fill of the loaves. So now people are following Jesus because they want to get full. They want wine, they want food, they want some kind of a show. And the problem is that these aren't believers. They're free lovers. If that's what's happening. They're not interested in what Jesus says. they want one free meal. Knowing that, John 2, 23 to 25 makes more sense. let me read it again.
2: When he was in Jerusalem during the Passover festival, many believed in his name because they saw the signs that he was doing, the
1: wine, the food, whatever. They saw some stuff. But Jesus, on his part, would not entrust himself to them because he knew all people. It needed no one to testify by anyone. He knew what was in everyone. He knew that that signed faith, like my friend in Indiana many years ago, he knew that it could disappear. And as I've thought about these scriptures this week, it, it led me to the question, do miracles lead to faith, or does faith lead to miracles? Do miracles lead to faith, or does faith lead to miracles? I don't want to be tested on this, but do you know what has helped my faith more than anything else in my life? The problems, the fires, the difficulties. Probably as much or more than anything else. I'd love to see miraculous things like Old and New Testament. And I believe we do see miracles around us that we take for granted. But every now and then we think, well, if you would just change that into that, do this, but Jesus has words for us that should comfort us. That we don't need to have sign faith. We need to have blind faith. Look at this in John 20, verses 26 to 29. After the resurrection, Jesus appears to the disciples. A week later, his disciples were again in the house Thomas, doubting Thomas, was with them. And the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand, put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? And then I think these next words are for you and for me. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Blessed are those who have not seen. And yet have come to believe. I think that's us. If Jesus is concerned with sign faith. that like he was. I think he's impressed with blind faith. And that has to be what we have. We're called to believe blindly.
2: We're called to believe in prayer. Even when our prayers aren't answered the ways we want. We're called to believe in healing
1: even when our loved one doesn't make it. We're called to believe in the riches of God even when we're poor. We're called to believe in forgiveness even though we are horribly guilty. We're called to believe in power even though we're so weak. And we're called to believe in heaven even, in vault, even when all hell breaks loose. I think God would be impressed with your faith. With your blind faith that brings you here on a Sunday morning, in spite of what has happened, that is real faith. And it's impressive. Let's pray together.